With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, I'm Gary Quinn and welcome to another episode of Ready, Set, Live. My guest today is a fashion producer, podcaster, and author, and she's a dynamic woman, Bronwyn Cosgrave. Welcome to the show, Bronwyn. Hi, Gary. It's such a pleasure to connect with you. Yes. After all these years, it's so great to have podcasts to be able to connect, and some of our listeners and viewers don't know that you and I had a rendezvous meeting many years ago when you were the um, editor, fashion editor of uh, Vogue England at Claridge's. I'll never forget it. It was really a, a brilliant time. We had such a good laugh. And um, I'm just so proud of all the things that you have been doing. Um, you know, Bronwyn has, has uh, she was a features editor at, at British Vogue and, and um, she's gone on to uh, develop uh, venture content strategy. She speaks around the world uh, about luxury brands, about beauty. Uh, her expertise is um, in books. She has a lot of great books that we'll talk about. And she also has uh, two movies that she produced, um, which is the Kevin O'Coin story, Larger Than Life, and uh, Manolo, um, The Boy Who Made Shoes for Lizards. Um, so tell me, Bronwyn, what was the going back to when you were a young girl in Canada? What was it that inspired you to step into these shoes? It's a good thing to say, step into these shoes, because as a little girl, I used to, my best friend's mom um, was one of the best dressed women in Toronto. And when her mom, was out of town, we would, when we were like preteens, I would say, oh. on weekends, we would dress up in her mom's Chanel shoes and suits <laughs> and, and kind of walk around the neighborhood at night, like, you know, sort of eight, seven, eight at night and like go to like the local store. And I, we used, I used to do a lot of dress up, you know, and I would say, though, to summarize it, I think it was a lot of strong women around me were beautifully dressed, and that included my mother. Um, it included, you know, my and the the mothers of 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 my best friends, and they all dressed very differently. So we had my mother. You know, I didn't grow up with a lot of money, but my parents were. I have three sisters. My mother and father were very in a way close conscious, but they always love to see their daughters looking their very best. And it was in a way that was not, it was just sort of they kind of all believed in us and wanted the best for us. So there wasn't really any pressure, but we always kind of knew that my parents wanted us to just look good. And 
then my two best friends, one of the mothers was a, like would go to Studio 54. Um, and she had this very sort of disco glamour style, like mink coats. And she always paired like a Beverly Hills kind of woman from the 1970s, if you will. And then my my to still to this day, my one of my dearest friends, Gigi Morin, her mother was a very powerful woman in the city of Toronto. She had a big job and she wore sort of Chanel suits and Gucci. So I was I was exposed to this at a very young age. And to me, it wasn't about acquiring things. It was more about kind of beauty and craftsmanship. Mm-hmm. And that has it kind of motivated me. I'm always fascinated by these makers of of clothing and and all manner of design inspires me. So I don't know if that answers your question, but it does go back to childhood. But definitely. isn't it interesting, uh, Bronwyn, that I think as children, we are sometimes influenced by what we are around. In some level, you were being groomed to be a fashion icon in the world of beauty already at a young age? Well, you know, one of the most touching things, actually, I, I wrote a book, uh, by a small biography about Chanel. Vogue did, British Vogue did a biography series called Vogue On, and we told the life stories of the great designers through the lens of Vogue. And for that book launch, which was in London, um, at a beautiful restaurant called Le Caprice, which recently closed, unfortunately. But Gigi's mother sent me a pair of her Chanel earrings and a vintage pair of Chanel earrings, which I wore. And it's just, to me, a really touching thing. And I think what it really is, because I also know women that have grown up in similar with similar exposure, but they reject it. And for me, I just embraced it. And I'll say another thing that really inspired me and it's inspired a lot. There are a lot of great designers that came out of Canada. One is a really dear friend of mine named Erdem. And um, in the sort of early 80s, there was a television show called Fashion Television. And it was hosted by a woman named Jeannie Becker, who is a very um, well-known figure in the fashion world. And she was the first person to put fashion on television. So I was seeing all these interesting designs, um, fashion designs, but then Jeannie kind of showed the world of fashion on television, and she was like an Elsa Clench, but actually I think she came first. Uh, She preceded Elsa Clench, and she showed you the world of supermodels. She showed you everything and had this amazing access, and I watched that, and I thought, yeah, I want to go and do that, and that's what I did. I moved to London, and, you know, Soon after was in Paris covering the couture shows. Did you ever find, um, you know, when you were in these situations, because I know sometimes when you have backstage viewpoints, you see a different side of the person as opposed to what we see. Um, I know I've seen that working in Hollywood and seeing people. Did you find it was a shock that some people were not authentic? You definitely, and I really was very fortunate to come up in fashion at a time when you could go backstage. And I would go backstage at Johnny Versace shows when Johnny was there with Donatella. And, you know, Valentino and Giancarlo Gemetti would be there, Yves Saint Laurent and Pierre Berger. So these are like really iconic figures. 
all of those people, what I saw was extremely professional in the working environment. I don't know. I didn't go off to their villas. You know, some families, I became very friendly with the Missoni family, and they were lovely people, very small world. I did see designers who I would go, say, to a party or, you know, even I remember going to a sample sale and just getting the creeps. Like, I just felt I don't want to be. And fashion is a world of tribes. So you pick your tribe. And I just was always fascinated by people who obviously were the finest makers, but also who were friendly. And interested in me, like I remember meeting John, Johnny Versace the first time I ever met him. He hugged me. He said, "I love young people. They really inspire me. What do you need to know?" I mean, I wasn't a, I wasn't particularly well dressed, or even I wasn't even working at Vogue at that point. But it was an interesting world because it was smaller back then. Uh, the stakes, I think, were a bit lower. But I just felt like, you know, yes, there were really sad stories that I came up against, you know, like, you know, there were suicides when I worked at Condé Nast, but people were, you know, it's, it's a creative business and in creative businesses, there are troubled people. The mm-hmm. secret is I've seen people that are very gifted and troubled and they have the management to con- that controls them in a human way and that has happened but then you do see things like I can't say what happened but you know the tragedy of Alexander McQueen's life he commits suicide you know and I can't say what happened there but it exists in fashion it's a, a very brutal business well I think it exists in every creative field especially in the entertainment and music world. Um, But I love that Versace came up to you and gave you a hug. I'm inspired when I when I see stories uh, visually or hear that. Um, And even in my own world, I remember meeting, you know, big authors who were well known who embraced me. And there were some who just poo pooed me, didn't want to have anything to do with me. And I think the kindness goes a long way in any business. And I think that's one of the things we all need to learn is to be kind to people because, you know, there's a saying, you you need to know them on the way up and you need to know them on the way down, you know, because um, it's just part of education, but also uh, manners. I think think that's Mm -hmm. what's gone out the window is manners. Well, you do learn <laughs> that not manners don't mean the same to a lot of people, but I I've always looked to young I've always surrounded myself by young with young people because the business that I'm in, you know, fashion, media, what have you, I like to know what generations behind me are thinking and want. Exactly. What's been Bronwyn, what's been the biggest challenge? you've had to overcome in your in your life? Um, certainly, I will say making money at what I do. I'll be completely frank. I've had to do a lot of juggling. I saw very quickly in 2003 that magazines would be an endangered species. I, like, that's what we're seeing now. We see these magazines that used to be, you know, quote-unquote Bibles are like slivers. And... I really saw that. I didn't think up Netta Porte, someone who I worked with did, but 
I always have juggled projects. So, you know, one project is going to finish, so I have to have something coming along behind me that's going to come up. Um, One project may be paid less, but I'll have a project that's going to pay more so I can devote some of my creative time to something that is really meaningful to me. But the money thing, and there's like stories about this frequently now in the press, but it's a challenge to do a a creative profession, but you can do it. You find ways to do it. Um, I would say that is the, the greatest challenge, actually. It's certainly not boredom. I am never bored. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, never. Never. How do you deal with the stress or the pressure that sometimes comes up? I am a spiritual person. Um, I, you know, was raised um, in the Catholic religion. Um, I'm a, I like to say lapsed Catholic, but... I believe in God, and I do devote a bit of my time every day to thinking, um, positive thinking. Um, I also do a lot of exercise, and that can be walking, simply just walking, yoga. Um, Getting fresh air is something that, you know, I've been in therapy a lot. I think therapy is amazing, and, you know, a lot, like even... Even my massage therapist said to me, you know, you're a person who should be touching down on the earth, go walk in a park, you know, get fresh air. That's what I did the first thing this morning because, you know, the things that we do, Gary, you know, from, you know, being a podcast traveling, podcaster traveling all over the world and being someone you who other people look to, you know, you need a break. It's just take breaks. It's all very simple, you know. Um, And I do, I have to say, like, there have been a lot of stories, particularly on the, you know, the tail end of the Me Too movement of, you know, um, sexual harassment. There, you know, I was, I found myself in situations with people who, you know, were predators. Um, I never fell victim to it, thank God, because I always knew... I had an amazing family to fall back on. I come from a very close family, and it's really, to me, a. it's just I feel very fortunate to have that, a really close family. So my family hears a lot from me. <laughs> That's <laughs> great. What does, I have an amazing heart. What well. does love mean to you? It just means, like, light and, um, you know, happiness. Um, with love can come challenges, but, you know, I love my partner. His name is John. He's an incredibly inspiring person. And, you know, there is a light to him. He has a real magnetism. And I just think that, that love, you know, you have to flip a switch. You know, it comes on like flipping a switch, right? You can't, like, well, you could control flipping a switch, but, I, I just think it's something that a glow, right? Exactly. Well, I also think, you know, we talked about this the other day with Mariel Hemingway and her partner, Bobby Williams. You know, all oh. her life she went through looking for things outside of herself because she never really felt like felt really good in her skin. And I think 
when she did, that's when she attracted her right light energy, like-minded energy. And I think in, in love, I mean, love is all there is, but I think looking for a relationship is really looking within yourself first, and then mm. you will attract the right light. And I think that's what you did with John. Well, I'm a big, big believer in positive energy, and I really like to cultivate that. Um, even like I had a feng shui <laughs> years ago when I was writing my first book. Uh -huh. uh, I guess it was like 1999 or something. I think it was then. I had a feng shui master come into my flat in London and clear stuff, clear energy, and like where should I sit? And I believe it works. I really believe in positive energy. And when I feel negative energy, like I said, you know, before, like with fashion tribes, pick your tribe. I mean, it's really, it means it's a big, big deal in my life. I take it very seriously. Well, what I think is important for everyone, and I think for you too, it's not to worry about the money. The money will come based on what you do. And you're a classic example of so many talents that you have, Bronwyn. And I think for individuals listening or watching, it's about really owning your, let's say, confidence of, and not so much confidence, but the awareness of acceptance of yourself that you're here to do a great job at whatever you choose to do. And I think the energy of belief and the intent staying in that energy is what attracts that based on our thoughts because our thoughts do create. Um, and I'm sure you manifested many things that you thought of that you said, wow, I thought of that. And all of a sudden it manifested and it came to me effortlessly. Never effortlessly. <laughs> <laughs> <Well>. <laughs> Never effortlessly. But, you know, I did, I curated this, one of my favorite projects that I've done, and I really did dream up the idea was, I curated an exhibition. I co-curated it with an amazing costume designer, an exhibition commemorating the 50th um, anniversary of the James Bond film franchise. Yes. And it was so fun. And it toured around the world, and I went everywhere with it back when we could travel. And I remember this wonderful journalist who was in Australia, who I knew in Paris, his name's Stephen Todd, and he said to me, I just think of you as someone who can take something from nothing and 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 make it grow and build it. And I do believe in that, but I also believe like I've had a lot of ideas that are not good ideas. And that is another reason why I keep young people, you know, really on my payroll, always have a young assistant. Like is this a good idea? You know, you've got to question yourself. Is this a good idea? Why am I hitting a roadblock? Should I put this aside and maybe take it up in like four or five years? I mean, you have to have confidence, but you also have to know, okay, no, move on. Just keep going. I think the answer is really keep moving, right? Absolutely. And I think it's all divine intervention also of divine timing of projects mm -hmm. or things that are, are not ready to come to you or they come at the, at the right time. Um, and how did you get involved in the movie business? I know you you produced uh, the Kevin Acoin story. How did that yeah. uh, How did that manifest? Well, I will say this. So I, when I wrote a book called Made for Each Other, which is the first fashion history of the Oscars, I 
Matt Tiernauer, who is a brilliant documentarian now, was at Vanity Fair during the time that I was at Vogue. I didn't know him, but I always watched what he did. And he made a documentary about Valentino, which is a really, it's one of the great fashion documentaries. And I kind of thought, damn, why didn't I think about that? But no one, in England where I was living, the documentary thing wasn't going on like it was in the United States. And when I moved from London um, to New York eight years ago, my partner, John Sloss, is a really pivotal figure in the independent film world. And I spent a lot of time going to film festivals with him. And I was seeing this whole business of documentaries blooming as another way of kind of news or just exploring stories. And it's boomed over the last decade, for sure. We're in the midst of it. And I just I wanted to get involved. And the first one that I produced was a documentary about Manola Blahnik, the great shoe designer who became excessively famous after Sarah Jessica Parker wore his shoes on Sex and the City. And the Kevin O'Quan film, it was really just kind of putting it out there. I just was talking to people and saying, if you have a story that you want um, to, to make, I'd really love to produce a film. And my intention with producing is, sure, I want to direct a film when I find a story, but... I, the Kevin story came along because I was actually interested in making a film about um, a makeup artist named Pat McGrath, who's just been named a dame by the queen. She's an amazing success story backstage makeup artist. And Kevin, I had met briefly during my time. He it really is one of the most groundbreaking makeup artists, but I was like scratching my head when I heard about the film and then the filmmaker, Tiffany Bartok and her husband, Jace Bartok, I met them through, they went to Synetic, which is my partner's company. And John very generously said, go and talk to Bronwyn about this. We had one meeting and I said, I'd really love to produce this film. And we did it together very much so. And Tiffany, a really interesting story. It was like, you use that word passion. She's a makeup artist. It was her passion to make that film. And she made a beautiful film. Um, and it was hard. I mean, it's a hard slog. Um, but that's something I've done because I really believe the best way of showing an artist or a designer is on camera. You can really see if you have access to that. And with the Kevin film, there was great archive material that Tiffany had unearthed from Kevin's um, close circle and family, which she really integrated herself in their world and formed very close relationships with them. But, you know, I just really believe in the medium of documentary or even feature films to tell the life stories of these really creative professionals in fashion. And I'm working on another one right now about a designer named Ronald Vanderkamp, who is Dutch and is is the only sustainable designer on the French couture calendar and has a huge ho a following in Hollywood. And the director is named Kitty Coring, and she's been following him for three years. He's a very interesting person who, like Celine Dion, Tracy Ellis Ross, um, they wear his work, many, many others. But he is a person who turned his back on the traditional fashion system and is d trying to really make high you know gl glamorous beautiful clothing that are that's 100 percent sustainable which i think is really right for our time exactly 
Um, who has influenced you in your career? Oh, gosh. That's certainly Alexandra Shulman. She was my editor at British Vogue. She was an incredible force. I mean, really tough. Um, really taught me how to write. It was like going to a finishing school. It was very traditional. And she was just very tough. Like you had to get your, if you didn't have your, it was a very small staff at British Vogue. It wasn't like this huge magazine. And if you really didn't know what you were doing, you were out. Like it was just really tough. And she, she really would, but she was very generous too. Like I would write stories and you'd have to hand them in, in a tray on printed on paper. This was, you know, she didn't read stories on screen and she would say, you know, pass or fail, basically. You would either pass or fail. And if you failed, it would either be spiked or you'd get another chance at it. And that was always tough. That was stressful. <laughs> it was it was stressful. But she's amazing. And she really, like, we didn't have, I wouldn't say, like, the friendliest relationship. Um, but she definitely uh, really helped me. And when she, you know, she recently stepped down and Edward Enenfall is now the editor of British Vogue. I think it was after 25 years, Alex was there. And I immediately wrote her a letter this is a couple years ago. And she wrote me right back and said, I was thinking of you, you know, thank you. But I would say out of, I would have to say out of anyone professionally, she definitely made the, um, the biggest impact in my career. What um, tips or advice would you give young journalists who want to cover fashion, beauty, and the runway? What would you say to them? I don't know who told me this or I figured it out, but it's what is your point of difference? Why would Anna Wintour or you know anyone else hire you to write to take a photograph, to style, it would be, you know, how do you make yourself different? That could be what is the point of difference of your work? Definitely. Mine was always, I dug deeper than anyone else. I'm a fashion historian. I always put a bit of a history or a backstory into my work. I figure out, I would always kind of figure out a look how to appear differently. And it doesn't mean you have to spend a lot of money on your wardrobe, but what was your look about? Because it is a looks-based business, and that would just be anything. You know, how do you make an impression on someone? And you can do that in any way. But it's and, – and another thing I did was when I was living in London, when I freelanced at a very early age, um, early start of my career, I based myself between London and Paris. I could go back and forth. I think this was before the Eurostar – but my big sister lived in Paris, and I would go and stay in her guest room. And, you know, I, I went off. Like, I remember John Galliano being, like, just when he was starting out before he went to Dior and writing stories about him because he was, like, across the river from my sister. <laughs> <laughs> so, I yeah. So I – and then they got to know me at Condé Nast. Oh, okay, so you're in Paris. Can you do this story? And that's kind of how it sh it kind of shook down. Wow. Well, I think you have great things in store for you for the future, and the future is today. Um, I want to thank you, Bronwyn. It's been a great reunion connection with us, and I hope to see more of you in the future. Um, Absolutely. And, and thank you so much for your tips, your insight. And if people would like to follow you, it's Instagram, uh, Bron uh, Cosgrave Bronwyn. 
and also her website, bronwyncosgrave.com. And don't miss her amazing A Different Tweed. It's a, a fashion equivalent to Inside the Actor's Studio. And you've had some amazing guests. And Thank it's you. a brilliant uh, podcast. I, I'm going to start listening to it. I listened to about four episodes the other night. Um, but I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to promote it. Cause I think it's a, it's something that needs to be heard, uh, from your point of view. Thank you, Thank Bronwyn. You, Until we meet really again, appreciate- it's been a great pleasure. I'm Gary Quinn on ready, set, live. Join me for another episode until later. Stay close. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved. We are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.